Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Can someone trademark a pose? We talked to a man who recently did a digital detox. The Ticats and Argos renew their rivalry again. A full slate of McMaster sports is kicking off. Learn about the latest Hamilton Sports Hall of Fame induction class. And what exactly is squonk? The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Local real estate agent Rob Golfie is being sued for trademark infringement by a Minnesota realtor who claims that Golfie's use of the outstretched arm pose in his advertisements is copying his pose. You've seen the billboards, the bus shelter boards, the big Rob Golfie advertisement with the arms stretched out on the HSR buses. Well, I spoke to Rob about this lawsuit yesterday and asked him, what's going on? Yeah, so there's a, a Minnesota agent. Um, he does uh, advertise um, his arms wide open. And I actually, I got the idea uh, from that, right? So, like, realtors belong to different groups of networks. Uh, and uh, he was in a, a, a group of network uh, that I belong to. Uh, in the U.S., I belonged to two of them in the U.S. and one in Canada, and uh, and I saw the I saw that, and I said, you know what, that doesn't seem like a bad idea because that because these networks always always exchange ideas, and you know, so each agent can learn from each other, and usually these networks um, are people like it's usually one agent from different areas, so that nobody's in the same market. So I saw this idea, and I started using it, and I guess because I took it to the extreme. It, he saw that I was, you know, gaining ground and we hit number one in, uh, in Remax Canada and number two in the world with Remax worldwide. And he's like, the, he started to look at this and say, Hey, this guy's getting notoriety. He's thinking it's his idea. And it, and it probably is his idea, but there's so many people are using this, but because he's strong in his market, I'm strong in my market. He feels that it's his idea. And, and he just, I don't know. He just, uh, just, I don't know, maybe people are saying to him, hey, Golfie's using your idea, which I have no denial that I, I did get that from him. But there was other agents locally that are using the same thing or have used it. Like uh, in Hamilton, you know, there was a couple agents, Al Cosentino used it years ago. Anthony Picconi used it. Uh, I'm not sure if he's currently using it, but he has used it. Uh, Leo Archie from Toronto, uh, he's got it on the billboard, you know, uh, with his arms wide open. So a lot of people are using it, but because I use it to the extreme, that's why I'm the target. I am the target of, of, of this, uh, lawsuit. And it's just, uh, it, it's ridiculous. And he's, he, and I know this guy, he's more about, uh, the, um, uh, publicity of it. And that's, that's his gain. And, and, and he talks about that and he does have, he's starting a marketing company, uh, and trying to get agents to go on board and show them how to market things and stuff like that. I did attend, an online marketing thing, but I don't remember signing anything. And we asked him, Hey, send me where the IP address came from that I signed. And he won't, he won't send us that, but he did send a signature that is nowhere near anything that, that is uh, an electronic signature or a signature of mine on anything that shows that I attended this seminar or I signed anything saying that I couldn't use any materials. So it all, all that, uh, all and all that, Rick, I don't know. This is just, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's crazy. I think it's crazy. I've been getting a lot of text messages from a lot of people saying, you know, keep, keep using the arms wide open and this is ridiculous. And, and he's getting a lot of bad press out there on social media. 
Yeah, and you know, I'll chime in, and I don't think I'm going to get you or myself in trouble. And this is just my personal view: is he? Uh, you've been using this for over a year now, I think it's been, and yeah, um, eighteen months. Yeah, eighteen months. And he apparently applied for the trademark three weeks ago, so he's trying to capitalize on this trademark, which has been used for eons, including in various photos and a huge statue of Jesus Christ in Brazil, which has the same pose. So I'm not sure he can trademark this. You know what? He just applied for it. And a trademark, you know, usually takes two to three years to get. Now, you don't have a trademark. He says he has a trademark uh, just applying three weeks ago. He does not have the trademark. He's applied for the trademark. And anybody can stop him from getting this trademark. He applied for the trademark in Canada too. He'll never get it in Canada because he doesn't do business in Canada. Um, and, uh, my trademark lawyer, uh, Stephen Leach, great guy, Burlington lawyer, uh, is, is a trademark lawyer. And he said he'll, he won't get it in Canada because he doesn't do business in Canada. So he's just reaching out in, you know, and he's got the mentality of, I want the publicity and, you know, and, and I'm not putting down, the U.S. how they uh, think, but they are very strong in Sue Happy kind of situation. So I think uh, it's just uh, ridiculous uh, how this is going. And he's getting a lot of bad publicity online. So Well, the interesting thing, too, is he does not do business in Canada, let alone Hamilton. No, he doesn't. But he's trying to, because I took it to a level beyond that most people would take it, and that and that's what's scaring him. Um, he feels that like I I'm I'm a you know fairly strong team in Canada here in in the Hamilton Niagara Halton area, and he's seeing the the growth that we've had and the growth that we're you know I'm I'm, I'm a hardworking guy. I love what I do, and uh, and I keep pushing through. Well, he's probably the same way. He's in in his market, uh, but he likes controversy. He loves that kind. Of, this is not the first time he's had controversy. He had, and I, I'm I'm not sure of it, but I I know he had controversy with Remax in uh, in Minnesota, and I, I and I don't recall. I, I I can't verify this, but I think he was fired from being with Remax, and just because of the controversy this guy likes doing. Do you think this is a PR stunt on his behalf? I think it's a huge PR stunt on his uh, behalf, and he and he's doing a good job of it. But I think it's backfiring a little bit because pe- he's getting a, a, a negative feedback from the public on that, and uh, and and he thought he could embarrass me, you know, saying, "Hey, you're using my logo." Well, it, it's, every realtor has a portrait of themselves with their picture. Sometimes some of them have a picture with their phone uh, on their ear. Some of them have their arms crossed. I mean, what are you going to do now? We got the uh, trademark uh, a portrait picture that nobody can use. I mean, it's my face. It's my arms. It's nothing to do with, uh, with what he looks like or what it is. And we're totally in different, different countries. I can't see why he's worried about it. He's more focused on me. I am more focused on, you know, dealing with my clients and making sure we pro- offer proper uh, service and uh, with, with, our, with uh, real estate. All right. Let's. Uh, if you're done with this, because uh, it sounds like you are, <laughs> and having well, it in the well, background. Well, well, I just wanted to say one thing. Yeah. So right now, there is no better time 
to put your house on the market with the golfy team because of the exposure that we're getting. And, it, uh, well, you know, with this uh, exposure, with this arms wide open and also, Hey, if you're a realtor and you want to learn about marketing and, and, and publicity and everything else, give us a call. We'll, uh, we, we can share some secrets with you. If you missed any part of my chat with Rob, listen to the golfy real estate show tomorrow morning at nine and every Saturday morning from nine to 10 on 900 CHML. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. If you're like me and like most other people, we spend way too much time staring at our cell phones. Every ding, every chirp, every tweet, every message, yada, yada, yada. We spend a lot of time on our devices. Have you ever thought about taking a break from all that technology? Ever considered a digital detox? Well, my next guest has not only thought of it, he actually did it. Shane Hewitt is the host of The Shift. You can hear it weekday mornings 1 to 5.30 right here on 900 CHML and joins us now. Shane, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm good. Thank you very much. So the obvious question to start is, why in the heck did you decide that you needed, that you deserved a digital detox? Yeah, isn't that funny? I I, I didn't decide. Actually, I was decided for me. I was voluntold. <laughs> so this happened, and I recommend it. So I, this happened incidentally with another study program that I was doing. And so I knew that as part of this program of study that I was going to need to at some point hand over my phone. And so it wasn't intended as a digital detox. And the program was amazing, life altering, all that stuff. But the reality is, is the digital detox had such an impact on, on my brain that I... Uh, regardless of whatever study, if you're doing any study, like even if you just sign up for some how to become a good business person course for a weekend, I don't care what it is. I'm telling you this, turn off your phone, put it away, give it to someone else. So what was that like? Uh, it was way easier than I thought it would be. I really? can tell you that. Yeah, it really was. Now, in all fairness, I was not tempted by normal routines. We were at a retreat in the middle of nowhere, there was Wi-Fi, so we would have been able to be on our phones and take pictures and all those things. But the reality was, is my routine was broken. And I think that's a big, important part of it is that the routine was broken, but I did come prepared, Rick. I, I feel like that when I, I, I came with note paper because I knew I would probably want to keep in touch in some way to my kids. That's the hard part. You think your kids and then uh, with my girlfriend too. And I really wanted to do that. So I came with proper note paper. I like to write little old fashioned notes and I wrote notes every day. I wrote 27 letters in seven days. Wow. Yeah. So this so, was a week long detox. Seven days. It was well, like six and a half by the time we got the phone back. But yeah, that's, that's, there was a, an entire week of absolutely no phone. Now to go with that though, we had no stimulation at all because when you give up the phone, you actually give up a lot more than you realize. Not just the apps that you were talking about when we started. You give up, you give up knowing the weather. You give up <laughs> yeah. knowing the time. You give up all of the music. You you know what you give up? This is the most amazing thing about it, Rick, is you give up knowing the answer. And this is the coolest thing to me because you know what started to happen? There was 32 of us in the group. We were doing this thing and I was... I, one of the, in the study, significant came up and for me, and I was writing, I was trying to write insignificance is what I was trying to write. And I, I didn't know how to spell it. So what would you do when you don't know how to spell it? You Google it. <laughs> yeah. You can't Google it. So it created conversation in a way that, uh, 
people needed to be able to talk again. And so you you did that. And I noticed that even around here, you know, if you're driving around Hamilton and you, maybe you see a new tower go up by, you know, Bob's mechanic. And so what do you do? You Google it. What's the construction? What's it's all in the city website or whatever, mm-hmm. right? What yeah. is the new tower or the new building or the, what does the new interchange look like? What we used to do is we actually used to go and I'd go, hey, Rick, do you know what's going up by Bob's mechanic? And Rick would be like, I heard it was going to be a cell thing, but I'm not sure. But I do know Bob's brother. His name's Steve. I'll ask him. And then conversation unfolds and eventually you get the answer of what it is. And we don't do that anymore. We don't do any of that anymore. And it started to create conversation with people and it allowed other people to be experts. When you wanted to learn about something technology, you asked the nerd in the corner. When you wanted to learn someone about politics, you asked the political science guy who was in the other corner. And it just, that was the coolest part about it was realizing how we've stopped talking. Shane Hewitt is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Shane is the host of The Shift, weekday mornings from 1 to 5.30 a.m. You can hear it right here on 900 CHML. What did it feel like after the six and a half days when you got your phone back yeah. and, and you ultimately fired it up? Was it like, I don't know, was it like taking the drug again? No, I didn't care. That was the coolest thing. I didn't care. Wow. I got my phone back. The very first thing I did was I texted my girlfriend, said, hey, I'm alive. And then um, <laughs> I, I texted the kids. My kids didn't even respond for, to me for like half the day. They're busy. You put all the self-importance on yourself that you're so important. And I'm even a business owner. I did it around my business and nobody cared that I was gone. And But when I came out, everything was quiet. I, I found myself, my, my dog walked by and bumped my desk and I had a wa- like an Aquafina water bottle and the water was dancing around in the water bottle. And I was on a, a video call and I someone said to me, they said, hey, where'd you go? And I'm like, oh, the water's just really dancing around the water bottle. And I realized that I started watching things again. I started watching these cool things around me. So I actually didn't get on it for a long time. And I've sort of fallen a little bit back into some of the routine, but I'm very well aware of death scrolling. And I'm very well aware of picking it up first thing in the morning like we do or right before bed. I've even considered, I haven't made it yet, but I have an alarm clock in my room now. It is possible that I might just do the pass through the bypass for the kids in the emergencies only and start leaving the phone out of the room. Wow. Uh, Last one for you because we're running out of time. What tips do you have for our listeners who are listening right now and are thinking about doing a digital detox? Do it. That's the tip. And when you do it, turn it off and give it away. Be prepared to write. Be prepared. Like We didn't even read magazines. So if you're going to read, read something that sort of matters to you only. But I would say don't read anything that's entertaining. Just read stuff that you're interested in. So maybe not a novel, but if you like airplanes, read a book about airplanes, do that stuff, write, create, just spend the time with yourself and enjoy that. And don't expect to be really good at it because your brain's going to wander and try to keep you busy, but really appreciate the reconnection that you get. Because for me, it's absolutely worth it, whether it's for three hours in the afternoon, an entire weekend or a week like I did, absolutely recommend that we all try it. Sounds like an awesome experience and I highly recommend it. And I'm going to be off next week. And I'm going to give this a shot. Maybe maybe not for the whole week. Mm-hmm. First couple of days, I'll try it. I'll give my phone to my wife or the kids. I'll tell tell them not to pass it back to me, no matter how I plead and beg and you know get down on my knees. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll give it a shot. Shane, really appreciate the time this morning. Thanks for joining us. And excuse the irony of my chime going off in the background <laughs> while we do this. So <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks, Rick. Thank you, Shane. Host of The Shift on 900 CHML. You can hear more of The Shift 
Weekday mornings from 1 till 5.30. By the way, we check our smartphones an average of 96 times a day. And we spend, the average person spends more than two hours on social media alone. So I'm going to give this a shot early next week and see how long I can last. Probably not the entire week. I'll say that. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Hey, remember this? This is a 51-yard field goal attempt. 42 seconds on the clock. Seth Small steps up the kick. It's got the accuracy it's got the leg and Seth Small hits from 51 yards and the Tiger Cats are ahead again they're up by two with 37 seconds to go RJ Braun had the call on the Ticats audio network we were all excited Ticats were up against the Montreal Alouettes with 30 seconds to go in the game and they lose on a last second field goal womp womp well they have another opportunity tonight to make amends to get back into the win column and why not do it against their arch rival Hamilton v Toronto yes tonight game nights at BMO Field in the big smoke as these two teams score off for the third time in four weeks it seems like we're on repeat <laughs> with the Ticats and the Argonauts but uh, here we are again and you know I, I, I was talking to Mike Hogan the longtime play-by-play announcer of the Argos a couple of weeks ago I think it was the first of the, of the four games in five weeks between Ticats and Argos. And he didn't like it. And I thought, you know what? I love it and I hate it. I love it because, well, it's Ticats-Argos. And I hate it because, you know, after Labor Day, there's not going to be Ticats-Argos until potentially the playoffs. But, hey, the schedule makers are what they are. It is a new wrinkle to the season, and here we are once again. Luke Tasker is our next guest. He's an analyst and former Ticats All-Star, and uh, now with the Ticats Audio Network. Luke, good morning. How are you? Hey, Rick. Good morning. I'm doing great. If I told you before the season started that Hamilton would have three wins after ten games, number one, you would have thought I was drunk. But here we are. <laughs> what, what has been the Ticats' biggest problem in 2022? Um, in the most tangible and, uh, you know, st- statistical straightforward answer, I would say turnovers, you know, that's been one of, one of issue, one of many issues, but it has been, you know, the single, the single greatest of all, but the, but the losses have come for, you know, a multitude of reasons. And, uh, you know, everyone's sort of talking about the fourth quarter, that the t- fourth quarters that the Ticats, uh, have and the inability to finish games, um, uh, and and just the the you know the mistakes that continue to happen late in the game, uh, you know you could you could uh, you could argue that the, that the injuries that the Ticats have suffered have been damaging as well. But you look across the league, and that's that's just the way it goes in in football and in the CFL with our long seasons. It's just they're inevitable the injuries. Um, but the Ticats have had them pretty bad. Um, boy, you know it, it's it's. It is not like the Ticats are just a just a really bad football team getting getting beat and losing games. It's just not the not the case for them. I mean, they're sort of sort of uh, you know you know playing themselves into a tight spot and, and losing games by thin margins. And uh, you know those that those mistakes are you know more correctable than just looking at a roster of players and saying we don't we don't have the tools to do this. So. You know, a lot of season left. Um, you know, like you were saying right before I came on here. I mean, these two Toronto games are a great chance to sort of 
you know, uh, make things right. I mean, really, this this is a this is a two week stretch with a as a and it's a huge opportunity. Ticats won the first game again, or lost the first game against the Argos. They won the rematch a couple of weeks ago. Going into game three of four tonight at BMO Field, what what's your gut feeling about tonight's game? Well, the Ticats actually played well for 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 a lot of the game at BMO. They certainly it was their best game of the season. Uh, uh, you know, at home uh, ver- versus Toronto, uh, it, it's almost like it, well, the, the mountain doubles in size if you lose both of these games. You know, the, the mountain that you have to climb for the playoffs for first place, especially, it doubles in size. And so the t- they got to go in there tonight, understanding that this is as close to playoff football as as you can get, short of the playoffs, and. Uh, you know, it's about the, it'll be interesting that Dane Evans is back in the lineup. Um, it, it's about the ability to both be aggressive and to protect the football. And, it, and it's time for them to find that, that perfect balance and, and strike it just right. We shall see if they do that. Luke, appreciate the time this morning. Thanks for waking up with us and uh, have a great call tonight. Hey, thanks a lot, Rick. I appreciate it. That's Luke Tasker, analyst with the Ticats Audio Network. Our pregame show on CHML begins tonight at 6.30. Kickoff is at 7.30 from BMO Field with RJ and Luke. And after the game, 30 minutes after the final um, whistle blows, uh, catch us on the fifth quarter right here on 900 CHML as I will be burning the midnight oil with all you diehard Ticats fans. And with Labor Day on the horizon... That's going to be the fourth and final time this regular season that the Cats and the Boatmen will meet, September 5th, 1 p.m. start time, by the way. Labor Day is, we know it's special in and of itself, but win or lose tonight, Labor Day is poised to be the biggest game of the year for many reasons. Because the Ticats lost tonight, I mean, it's, it's a must win on Labor Day. A Ticats win tonight, and, you know, first place is on the line on Labor Day. So Labor Day is going to be as big as it's ever been in a couple of weeks' time. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We were happy to get that season in, but the, the prep and, and the time that went goes into a normal season, we just didn't have. So it's been uh, on all levels. Uh, we feel like um, our, our guys are better prepared. That is the head coach of the McMaster University football team, Stefan Patasik, as they get set to launch into their season tomorrow afternoon against the Carlton Ravens in Ottawa. You can hear that game starting at 1 p.m. tomorrow right here on 900 CHML. And uh, Ted Michaels and Miles Gorell will be on the mic. First home game for Mac football-wise is September 3rd versus York. But as we know... McMaster is not just about football. There are dozens of other sports, hundreds of athletes who are gearing up and in some cases already on the field or on the court or whatever the case is, as McMaster Marauders Athletics is returning with a full slate of sports and events for 2022 and 23. And here to talk about it is Keenan Jeppesen. He's the Associate Director of Athletics, High Performance at McMaster University. Keenan, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hi, Rick. Good morning. Thanks for having me. You and the staff got to be over the moon to see the return of a full athletic schedule this year. Yeah, it's uh, it's tremendously exciting. We we talk a lot about it in in, in staff meetings and and with our student athletes. Um, you know, for everyone, it's been a challenging you know two two and a half years, especially in the sport world. Uh, and we're we're just excited because we really feel like finally we're getting to a place that resembles kind of pre-pandemic sport. 
As you know, McMaster football gets the most attention, but Mac, as I mentioned, has more than two dozen sports teams, hundreds of student-athletes who represent the school uh, across Ontario, and if they're good enough, really, across Canada at U-Sports Championships events. I've always marveled at how, and and you would know this, being a former uh, university star athlete, how you are able to juggle the responsibility of school and all all the stressors that go along with that with the thrill of competing in sport. How is that done? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I appreciate you, you bringing that up. We love our football team. You know, we love our, um, our our volleyball and basketball teams that, you know, get a lot of attention. But you're absolutely right. We have um, almost 50 uh, sports uh, in across men's and women's, across uh, various service tiers, um, and over 1,200 student athletes um, really doing incredible things, both in their fields of uh, competition and uh, in the classrooms, um, it's it's a challenge. Um, I think we're we're learning more and more about the pressure and, and mental health strains that are put on our athletes. Um, but we just have some of the best here at McMaster, and um, you know we're, I'm, I'm just so excited to support them in their athletic journey this upcoming year. And they're helped, uh, and I should point this out, by people like Chris Puskas, who's in the Rehabilitation uh, Center to get these athletes performing at their peak. And if they do get hurt, he's there and his team is there to make sure that their uh, mental health is right, as opposed, and, and including their physical health as well. Uh, so that is, you know, should be highlighted as well because there's a great support staff at McMaster University. But when it comes to those those sports or those teams or those athletes that you and I and everybody else are going to be keying on, who are the ones to watch this upcoming season? Oh yeah, that's a that's a great uh, great question. Again, we're we're really excited for this football team to to kick off. Um, you know, we we we're bringing back some uh, some some veteran leadership. Uh, you know, having a fifth year quarterback is um, it, it at the helm is is going to be incredibly helpful for us and a lot of uh, a lot of young talent. So I, I know you know I heard the 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 clip from Coach Patasic and um, you know his staff is so good at at preparation and player development. Um, having that extra time this year, I'm I'm so excited about um, you know the potential for this team. Um, again, looking at at some of our premier teams, I, I had the opportunity to check out our uh, men's basketball team last night in a, um, uh, a preseason exhibition against the University of Oregon. Um, so we're excited about that team. Uh, went to the OUS final last year. It was a game away from uh, going to the national uh, championship. Um, so that you know returns a, a substantial part of that roster with some new additions. Um, our, our women's side, our, our, our women's basketball team returning uh, our all-Canadian Sarah Gates. Um, we're really excited about, about that team and Coach Burns and what they can do. Um, uh, our women's volleyball, uh, we, we have so many, um, you know, great, um, you know, teams and returning athletes. Uh, Sully Sandara uh, was an a outstanding rookie um, who got national recognition uh, last year. Um and I'd be remiss to talk about men's volleyball uh, coming off an OUA um, an OUA championship last year, uh, returning uh, you know our, our, our um, all Canadian outside hitter Sam Cooper, uh, Max Breton. We've got an incredibly 
high hopes for that team as we host the volleyball national championships next year. So, so lots to look forward to and uh, lots of incredible uh, athletes, coaches, and, uh, and staff. So many great sports, uh, track and field being another one uh, under the, the, the guidance and leadership of longtime coach Paula Schnurr. That's been one to watch as well. It's going to be a fun season and a full season, and we're happy to uh, follow along here in 2022-23. Keenan, really appreciate the time today. Best of luck going forward with this upcoming campaign. Thanks so much, Rick. Keenan Jeppesen, Associate Director of Athletics, High Performance at McMaster University. And again, uh, not to single out the football, but we have the broadcast again on CHML starting at 1 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. Ted Michaels, Miles Gorell with the call as Mac takes on Carlton Ravens in Ottawa. That should be a fun game. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Huge news yesterday, the Hamilton Sports Hall of Fame announcing its class of 2022 the list of inductees include three posthumous honorees, Gymnastics Canada and Canadian Olympic Committee board member Dr. Gene Sutton, a Boston Marathon winner Johnny Miles, as well as Canadian Blind Golfers champion Nick Genovese. Also going into the hall are CFL star Jim Young and world champion dragon boat racer Kathy Levy. The inductees are going to be honored at a ceremony in October. Here to talk about it is the president of the Hamilton Sports Hall of Fame, Gary McKay. Gary, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. How are you this morning? I'm okay, and uh, our listeners will probably recognize the game. Gary, a longtime columnist with the Hamilton Spectator, writing about uh, all things sports, including a golf column that is uh, decades old, and rightfully so, because it's a great read. Uh, I do want to talk about golf with you, Gary, in a couple minutes, but let's focus on the hall. Is there one name among these five amazing individuals that sticks out to you? Um, I I would think Jean Sutton as a builder. Um, she just did so uh, so much. She was involved in so many things. I, I was big in covering gymnastics for the Spectator, and whenever I needed to talk to somebody about gymnastics, it was Jean Sutton. She ran uh, the last Canadian Championship uh, at McMaster, <coughs> so. Yeah, I was very happy to see uh, Gene Sutton going in. What is the process like in inducting a, a class each and every year? W- what is the debate like? How many nominees do you get? W- what is the whole thing like? Uh, well, we we accept nominees on uh, on our website, and uh, we we carry them over year after year, and uh, <clears throat> we have a special selection committee that serves a three year term that are separate from the sort of the committee of the whole. Um, and um, when the nominations come in, the selection committee meets, has two or three meetings in the summer, and they whittle the list down, and there's great debate back and forth. Uh, um, <clears throat> I chair that committee, but I don't vote, so I just get to sit in and, you know, uh, listen listen to the debate and the discussion. Um, then traditionally it's been five names, um, and they come to the board with those names, and uh we basically rubber stamp them, and then we put together the luncheon and the press release and all that sort of stuff. So while the debate is going on, you're just grabbing some popcorn and sitting back and enjoying the the back oh, and yeah, forth. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, I just sit there and go, are there any more of those cookies? <laughs> Does it get heated at times? Or there, I, I'm sure people on the selection committee are thinking, uh, you know, this is this is my guy or this is my lady. we got to, you know, put this person in, and I'm, I'm assuming... From time to time, the debate gets a little electric. It does. I wouldn't say it gets heated, but uh, the, what I enjoy about it is the people there are passionate, and they come to the meeting ahead of time 
with who they think should get in and why. Um, and, and there's some criteria that, I mean, there's obvious criteria about, you know, uh, how good they have to have been. But generally speaking, you will only allow one, a maximum of one team in a year, um, uh, one builder in a year. And the builder, the builder category includes media and referees and builders. So uh, we have to try and juggle all that and fit that in. So, yeah, there, uh, there is some interesting debate. Let's put it that way. The induction ceremony goes October 26th at Michelangelo's uh, Conference Center. And uh, tickets are available online if you wish to attend at HamiltonSportsHallOfFame.com as the five inductees are uh, officially honored on that day. We're in discussion with Gary McKay, president of the Hamilton Sports Hall of Fame and longtime Hamilton Sports uh, Spectator uh, columnist. Uh, I do want to ask you about one name on this list, and Scott Radley has written about it in the Hamilton Spectator, and that's Jim Young, who still to this day is the only person, I didn't know this until the, the Hall of Fame unleashed its list, still the only person to be traded from the NFL to the CFL. What, what happened here? That, that is, a, it, it's a, well, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is finding very interesting stories in addition to, you know, people who are worthy to get in. And, yeah, Jim Young uh, came out of Westdale High School, went to Queens, um, then was uh, drafted and went to the Minnesota Vikings. Unfortunately, he didn't play a lot there. He was there for two years, mostly on special teams. And uh, the Vikings were a bit of an expansion team then and um, had some Canadian connections and needed a quarterback and decided they wanted to get uh, Joe Cap. Um, uh, Joe Cap, yeah, Joe Cap. Yep. And um, worked a deal. And it was a very convoluted type trade where they had to get CFL teams to uh, agree not to um, to claim him when he went unclaimed, or they needed him to go unclaimed. And the same thing, they had to wave cap, get cap waved through uh, the NFL, and there would so they, the deal involved uh, not only the BC Lions and to a lesser degree the Toronto Argonauts, but also involved uh, the Washington then Redskins um, and the New Orleans Saints. So <laughs> it was a very convoluted deal. But they finally were able to to trade them, and you know, uh, Cap went on to a career in uh, the NFL, and Jim Young came back uh, to be an All Star with the BC Lions. It's pretty wild. We got about uh, forty five seconds. I have to ask you because you're you're the golf guy. Lucy Lynn, a twelve year old from BC, is playing in the CP Women's Open. How crazy is it that a twelve year old is playing a pro, a pro tournament? That's amazing. I mean, the golfers, women golfers, do. Um, get better earlier than a lot of other sports. Um, we, you know, I, I think I'm trying to remember exactly uh, um, when Brooke Henderson went, but I think she was she was, she was 14, yeah. yeah. I would say she was just 14. But when you think about it, what were you doing when you were 12 years old? <laughs> I mean, Nothing. I, I was playing street hockey and trying to sneak into Civic Stadium to see the Tigers. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. that's, uh, that's you your know, time. You had to be playing in front of crowds and, you know, it, it, it is really amazing. Absolutely. She uh, she shot a 3 over 74, so has some work to do to uh, get under the cut line of minus 1, but a great tournament already happening in Ottawa, and it's a great class going into the Hamilton Sports Hall of Fame. Gary, thanks for the time today, and uh, we'll touch base with you down the road. Sure, anytime. Thank you. That's Gary McKay, president of the Hamilton Sports Hall of Fame Induction Day, October 26th. You can get your tickets at HamiltonSportsHallOfFame.com. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. 
from 900 CHML. As we know, year in and year out, Supercrawl is a must-attend. This year, maybe more so than ever. You know, it's two years since the pandemic began. But there's also a unique artistic showcase that is going to land on Supercrawl in a couple of weeks' time. And it's called Squonk. What the heck is it? Well, we're about to find out. Steve O'Hearn is the co-artistic director of Squonk and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Steve, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, Hamilton. Good to be here. In a nutshell, what is Squonk? Squonk is a a multidisciplinary group. Uh, We're driven by music, so we're a band essentially, but we have large-scale spectacle. Um, This show has two two giant hands the size of houses uh, that are they kind of are about empowerment and the audience joins us in controlling them and taking taking the lines that reel them in uh, near the end of the show. And this show's been touring across the U.S. We've been to Kennedy Center and Lincoln Center and we'll be coming right from Calgary. So we're thrilled to be coming back up to Canada, especially to an event like Super Crawl. I got to ask, how did you come up with the name of Squonk? <laughs> it was it was just a quirky uh, instinctual idea but as it ended up it's actually a a um a creature from Pennsylvania that uh that is mythical so it sort of suits us we're from Pittsburgh a town very like Hamilton in many ways how did this all start well, where, where did the idea come from well Jackie and I were were both out of grad school and didn't like working for commerce and uh, we met up and we were very interested in some funny things that were happening in the in the last couple of decades in the world of theater and music. She had a graduate degree in music. I was very um, intimidated by it. But we started making little shows, just doing shows in bars and stuff. And I'm a visual artist, a designer. And, uh, and I designed the shows and she wrote the music and it just got bigger and bigger. And we ended up touring the country and going to Broadway and going overseas. And um, so we just kind of followed our instincts and it became what it was meant to be, I think, in in our hands, driven by music and visuals and spectacle, which is so seldom done here in the States. Steve O'Hearn is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Steve is the co-artistic director of Squonk, which, as you heard, are two... Um, uh, massive hands on a stage set to music and a whole lot of fun. How did yeah. the, how did the hands idea come about? Well, we were thinking as artists and musicians, and actually just as humans, that hands are all about our ability to do things in the world. Uh, they're how we're empowered. They, they give us the capacity to make stuff happen. And it was right after some ugly elections here in the in the U.S. that we were suing on this. Uh, about five or six years ago. Um, so and we were thinking, well, how do we make a joyful show about feeling so powerless? And so the hands, the giant hands next to us, Lilliputian band members, kind of convey both the horror and the ridiculousness, the um, the uh, humor of, uh, of uh, uh, scale, of different sizes, of being uh, one little voter in a country of hundreds of millions of voters and one human on a planet of billions of humans. So for us, it, it entailed all of the tragedy and, and comedy of how tiny we are in this great big world. It's pretty cool. With such a large-scale stage and apparatus, how many people are involved in this production and what's the most challenging part about it? We're coming up with 10 people, and usually the challenge about it is dealing with, uh, dealing with loading in and weather, a bunch of practical issues. Um, uh, and I know we have a great site there at Supercrawl, 
But um, it's always the practical issues that get us. The uh, We have great fun doing a show, and, and the 10 people are all well-rehearsed and have been doing it all summer in different cities. So it's a big to-do. Um, but once we get there, we're self-contained. We bring everything with us, the staging, the sound. Um, and we're always we're always meeting very different audiences. The last one for you, and we've got about a minute to chat about it, is how do the hands move? Is this like just a bunch of puppeteers? What happens? That's a very good question. Yes, it is like giant hand puppet, puppet hand puppets. Anyway, uh, it's it's modeled on the bioengineering of the human hand, which has sinews, uh, tendons going up and down each finger. So it's rigged like a sailboat. And it actually, all the muscles that operate your fingers are in the body of your hand, in the palm. And that's what makes them work. And it's just like that. So you stand at the bottom and pull ropes and the fingers move. And they're on swiveled um, bases that swing around and do different motions too, just like a human hand. Can't wait to see this. Steve, thanks for joining us today and giving us a mental picture of what's going to look like. Can't wait to see it live. Hey, thank you for having us. Steve O'Hearn, co-artistic director of Squonk. You can check them out at Supercrawl September 9th to the 11th on James North right here in Hamilton. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.